0: If you don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Church. And uh, before we jump in, let's just uh, pray together. Our Father, we just thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for uh, gathering us together this morning. For, uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. That we who were not a people have been able to, to gather and have been made uh, to be a people as we are children, sons and daughters of you. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're our Father. We thank you for your great love for us. And Father, I thank you this morning. uh, Just uh, as we kind of enter into a weird week of uh, people traveling and people uh, here and there, uh, we just lift up those who aren't with us this morning uh, and just... May we still be worshiping as a family, even in spirit this morning, that we'd be glorifying you God, and we just uh, thank you for this family. Father, I pray this morning that as we uh, go through the preaching of the word, and as we sing, and as we go through the, the things that we do on Sunday morning, I pray that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would be at work. Lord, as I preach, I pray that you would say what you once said, that you'd have our ears here, what you would have each one of us here, and that you would do work in us, Lord, that you would prepare the way for Jesus in places that we haven't uh, yet prepared our hearts. And Lord, that you would soften our hearts, that you'd make it a, uh, make us or draw us to yourself and, and lead us to increasingly submit all of life to you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so it's Master's Week. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Uh, it's Master's Week, and, and for me and for many others, I think, uh, the last couple of weeks has probably been... Uh, quite the time of preparation. It's been the time of preparation around the Ritchie residence. I'll tell you that. Because there's people coming. They're, they're, com- they're going to be arriving. They're arriving today at my house. Some of them may be tomorrow or the next day for some of you. But there's people coming to my house today. And normally that's not a good thing. So there's people coming to my house. They're renting it. We have to get it ready for them to, to be able to live there for the week. So I've been working hard, uh, along with a lot of you, I'm sure, uh, to make my house ready, to get it clean. Right, And it looks good. I took pictures of my house because it looks so good. And I posted them on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm probably going to start up a Snapchat today just so I can you know, post pictures there. I don't know what you do exactly there. But I, anyways, I've been posting pictures of my house because it looks so good. And I've seen other people posting pictures of their, their houses because it, it looks good. We've done some work. We've done the preparation. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been stewarding my time and my resources toward that end to get my house ready for the people who are coming right? I've been able to find a little bit of motivation because there's a lot of hard work. So it takes some motivation. But I have some motivation because at the end of the week, I get a lot of money, right? And and hopefully, I'll get a really good rating on the Airbnb so that next year I can maybe even get a little bit more money. That's that's, that's my motivation. That's what keeps me going. So this morning, we're uh, wrapping up this series that we've been in that we've just entitled Lent. Now, Lent's not actually over, but the next few services will be you know, uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday service, and Easter or Resurrection Sunday service, and they'll just be a little bit outside of this particular series. But we're wrapping up this series, and we're going through uh, chapter 25. And throughout this season, as we've gone through Lent, we've been asking that all of us here that you spend some time preparing and posturing your heart as we look toward the death and resurrection of Jesus, as told in Matthew's gospel. Just as we 've been preparing our houses for people who are coming we 've been asking that you prepare your heart as people as, as we look towards the death and resurrection of Jesus. We specifically asked that you spend some time in prayer, spend some time in prayer for Redemption Church, that, it'd be, that we would be a church of prayer that we'd be uh, making disciples of one another, that we 'd be making disciples of those who are not yet reached with the gospel and we 've been asking uh, that you spend some time in scripture. Um, That you are looking for the truth as you go through the scripture. You're looking for the truth about who God is, what he's doing, who you are, and what you're called to in light of all that. And we've been asking you to invite friends to church or to your missional community. Like, we we often say that we want you to go and proclaim the gospel wherever you are. And we do want you to do that. But we want you to invite people into the family. And also, that might make it easy. If you're like me, you might need some help because I'm not very good with that, like, that first i can't invite people very easy i can't talk to people at the beginning very easy so i need somebody who can kind of come in and get them in and then i can talk take it anyways we got to work together on that anyways invite people to church we've been saying that and none of this ends today just because of the lent series being over we're just asking you to finish out this season and hear the challenge to invite a friend to visit the service with you or to your MC, mc take them out to lunch after the easter service invite them over whatever moving on if you remember Last week, as we started chapter, we started in chapter twenty-four. Reggie uh, was speaking last week, and he was supposed to speak this week, but he was claimed that he had a job he had to do today. But he's here, so that's cool. But whatever. If you remember Reggie's sermon from last week, you might remember how he showed us how Jesus used uh, this final discourse in uh, in Matthew to reorient our fear to faith, our despair to hope, and our apathy. To action. If you missed last Sunday, or if you haven't heard that sermon, I would highly recommend that you get it off our website and take a look at it. Uh, it's really good at like helping us to reorient uh, some some things that we that we may have. People can we can get bogged down in these chapters because we they get associated with the confusion in all of the end times. And Reggie did a really good job of showing us how Jesus in this chapter reorients our fear to faith, despair to hope, apathy to action. And as we continue, we build off of that to finish the discourse this week. We're armed with faith and with hope. And we're sure of one thing is Jesus' imminent return. He's coming back. With that in mind, Jesus instructs as we go through today. He's instructing on what life should look like in this already not yet kingdom that we currently live in. And so we pick up in Matthew 24, uh, verse 36 through 51. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. Uh, We're going to start with this big chunk. We're going to take it in chunks. So, Matthew 24, verse 36, 51. It says this. It kind of sets up the rest of the discourse, and it says this. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, That if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. But like I said, this kind of sets up some where we're going through uh, Matthew 25. So Jesus is going to kind of be breaking this down and unpacking it as we go. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but what I want to see is is just a couple of points that we're going to continue to unpack. What I want to see is this. There's a warning. It's a warning that his coming will be like a thief in the night. Jesus is coming, and when he comes, it'll be like a thief in the night. You won't be expecting it, and he's going to come, and you won't know the hour or the day. His coming will be like a thief in the night. And number two, we are to be ready. We're to stay awake. If you know he's coming, and you know he's coming, you don't know when he's coming, but you know that he is coming, stay awake, stay ready. And number three, readiness means stewarding the time that we have by serving those in our charge with the grace and love that has been shown to us by our Lord. Readiness means... Readiness, being ready, staying awake means stewarding the time that we have. Well, so we're going to move right into chapter 25, and we're just going to look at this, this parable of the bridesmaids. We're going to take, a, take a, uh, a closer look at just a couple points. So I'm going to read this. It's Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself and when they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I don't know if this is weird to anybody else, but this story is just kind of weird to me. Uh, seems, it's always been kind of a weird story. It just struck me a little off. And it probably doesn't help that it's mixed up in these two chapters that deal with the end times and there's already a lot of confusion surrounding the end times stuff so there's a lot of stuff even brought to this passage. So it's always confused me just a little bit. But So because I think it could be confusing and it can be a little weird, I just want to be very clear. This isn't some caveat, right? These couple chapters are not some like caveat or some uh, rabbit trail that Jesus is going down. It fits with what he's been doing and saying through the whole book of Matthew. And we've seen parables. We've seen how Jesus used parables all through the book of Matthew already. We've been over this and over this. And so here he's using a parable. And what does he use parables for? To incite or invoke a response in those who would hear. So this should invoke some response in us too then. This is a parable to invoke some response. And also we need to see that this is more of a culturally relevant story to those original hearers. It doesn't necessarily match up with how we do things in our culture today. So that's part of the reason why it can be a little bit tough to, to hear. But basically, this is the deal. Basically, in those days, it's customary for the bridesmaids or the wedding party uh, to go out and wait for the bridegroom to arrive. Um, and they, so they'd go. they'd go out to a place, and they'd wait for the bridegroom to come, and they would take lamps... And we're not talking about, like, little, like, candle lamps or, like, a little, it's more like a torch. They would take their torches, and they would have either cloths of oil or some sort of oil thing to keep the, the torches burning. And then they would get the bridegroom, and they would take him in a parade with their torches lit to get the bride, right? And then they would take that parade to the wedding feast, or the wedding and the wedding feast. So it was a big deal. It was, like, a big parade, and that's why they need these lamps and these oil, right, is to keep it burning and to, you have to do... I I said that (laughs) I'm just kidding anyways it was the job of the bridesmaids to wait for the bridegroom and light the way back uh, to get his bride and to go to the wedding so in the story there's five bridesmaids, bridesmaids who came without enough oil and they weren't prepared, they weren't prepared well they weren't really highly anticipating the arrival of the bridegroom they weren't ready. And you know, when you really are anticipating something, when you're, really, when you're really highly anticipating somebody's arrival, you make proper preparations, right? I was highly anticipating the arrival of our guests this week, and so my house is ready. If you're not really anticipating their arrival, you just kind of let it go. The lack of read, readiness by these bridesmaids indicates their lack of anticipation a lack of readiness on our part, and our waiting for Christ to return, indicates a lack of anticipation. Jesus uses, uh, excuse me, Jesus uses this illustration to unpack our first point this morning, which was to stay awake, to be ready, because Jesus is coming back, and those who know Him will be waiting for Him with high anticipation. They'll be ready, stay awake, be ready. Jesus is coming back we're going to take a quick look at the next story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And I'm jumping through these stories really quick because we're going to spend a little more time on the third point. And this is the story. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent into the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to, everyone who has, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worst, worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, this, he tells a story to invoke a response. He's wanting something to happen in the hearer. And in this one, it should be, we should have a response to like question how we're stewarding what God has given us, what our master has given us. given us. So the first point was to be ready and to stay awake. The second point is to steward the time and the resources that we have been given by investing, in our, by investing our whole lives toward the advancement of the kingdom. First point is be ready. And readiness looks like stewarding whatever it is you've been given. Because righteousness is not counted to us by outdoing one another. Righteousness is counted to us by how we steward what we've been given, right? So we are to steward the time and resources that we have been given by investing our lives toward the advancement of the kingdom. We're to be ready, to be highly anticipating the return of our king, and we are to invest the time that we have toward the advancement of the kingdom. Now, I just kind of sped through those. I'm trying to cut to the chase on those two because I just wanted to take a little more time here on the implications. Those are the first two points, but what are the implications? What does it mean to be ready, and how do we do this stewarding of our time and our whole lives? And Jesus just expands on that in this last portion of chapter 25. So I'm going to read this one more chunk, okay? Bear with me. You guys okay? It's a lot of reading today. All right, let's do it. Matthew 25:31 through 46. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer to them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, our readiness and stewardship are demonstrated through our response toward the least of these. How do we make ready? How do we steward everything towards the advancement of the gospel, of the advancement of the kingdom? By investing in the least of these. Remember the faithful and wise servant mentioned earlier in chapter 24? He was faithful to steward his position, position of others in the house as if his master was present even while his master was away. Those in our charge, those who are the least of those among us, uh, we're to steward everything towards the advancement of the kingdom by how we, how we steward the gospel to them, how we steward the kingdom to them. One week, several years ago, my small group at the time, that's what we called it, it was a small group, I don't even know if it was at this church, to be honest, I don't remember. One week, though, several years ago, in my small group, we decided that we wanted to do something for the homeless in downtown Augusta, Right? And uh, so we got, we said, okay, what are we going to do? And we decided, well, they, they're homeless, so they probably are hungry. And so we'll make them something to eat. And so we got together. We all made pans of lasagna. And then we got together and we ate one of the lasagnas uh, together in community. And then we made plates and we took them out on the streets of downtown Augusta to go and hand out lasagna plates to random homeless people. Um, anyways. That went well. It was fine. We gave some food away. And then later on that week, on like a Friday night, I think it was, we lived right across the street here. And uh, me and a buddy were up in the second floor of our, our building, and we were playing guitar and just kind of hanging out. And um, it got really late. It was like 11, 1130, and we decided that we needed a fourth meal, if you're aware of what the fourth meal is. Uh, but we didn't go to Taco Bell, home of the fourth meal. We decided to go to Crystal's. And so uh, we went to Crystals over in North Augusta, and, you know, they got the special up there on the, on the board. And this particular week, they had the Cheesinator combo. It was amazing. It was like five cheese crystals, cheese fries, and like a huge bucket of drink. And I don't know how much it cost. It was like five or six bucks probably. Anyways, it was a great deal, especially at 11 o'clock at night because we really were starving, right? We really needed uh, that much food. Anyways, we drove back. We are unloading uh, right out here on the street uh, to getting our bags of crystals and cheese fries to go inside. And my door over there was a little hard to unlock. But uh, so we get out of the car, and I see, out of the corner of my eye, like a homeless guy kind of stumbling down the the sidewalk towards us. And to be honest, I just didn't want to deal with it, you know, because I knew it was coming. He was going to ask me for something, right? And so I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm trying to get my keys out, and I'm trying to get in the door. Anyways, the guy gets to us. Hey, man, I'm really hungry. Can you spare a Crystal Burger? And and I'm like, I just really was upset because I needed all five burgers. And uh, I didn't want to give it to him. But anyway, so my friend that was with me, he takes one out. He gives it to the guy. The guy was hungry. He starts eating it. There's pickles falling everywhere. Like, he just got me. And I was like, just give him one of mine, too. He was holding my back. And then we rushed inside. And uh, I went upstairs and just felt awful about myself after a little bit. I realized that just earlier in the week, like when I was prepared to go and do something good for somebody in need, it was great, and I felt pretty good about myself. But when somebody actually in need just kind of like came to me and asked me for it, I was not prepared. And it inconvenienced me. And there was no glory in it for me. And I was mad. I kind of hated the guy. And I didn't want to give him my, my fifth burger. It's messed up. It's a messed up situation. Now you know how evil I am. See, here I see Jesus sort of gives us a gauge to test our hearts. Engaging our hearts based on the things we initiate and plan may not work that well. That's just what I want us to see. That We can't always gauge our hearts based on the things that we plan and and, and, and do that, that it may not work as well. We may, may not be able to gauge our hearts that way. We can't gauge our hearts' readiness by where we volunteer, or what money we give to a nonprofit or or what cause uh, we may support or stand up for, we can't necessarily get an accurate picture of what's happening inside of us. It'd be like judging how uh, nice Claire and I keep our house by looking at the pictures I just posted on Facebook, it's not real. I don't even live in that house. The furniture that's in the house doesn't even stay there. I put it in there for Master's Week, right? If you want a real picture of how we keep the house, you've got to show up unannounced any other time of the year but this week. It's not an accurate picture. We usually live amongst toys, half-eaten bananas, Cheerios, toast crumbs, cups of milk. That's real life, and our, and our couches are dingy. And they're old, because I'm not going to get a new couch for my kids. That's crazy. Like I said, I live with toast crumbs and half-eaten bananas. You don't put that on a new couch. It's not an accurate picture to judge when I was ready, when I had planned to do something. You can't judge how actually clean I was, right? When somebody asks for help, though, when somebody asks for our help, when you're not expecting it, your ability to invest in the kingdom when they ask for help and how they ask for it will be much more revealing. You know what I'm saying? When you're not prepared, how can you invest in the kingdom when you're not ready? I'm not saying not to volunteer I'm not saying not to give to organizations. I'm not saying not to speak up for the marginalized on purpose. We should do all those things. I'm not saying not to feed the hungry. You have to do those things. And you can plan on doing it, and that's good. But I am saying that it can give us a false read if that is where we're gauging our heart's readiness for Jesus. While it can be certainly be good to do those things, it can also serve you and me a great deal to do those things. It can puff up our ego. It can make us begin to believe that we've earned a spot on God's side. But we know that's not the gospel of grace. That doesn't make any sense. However, when somebody asks, when you're inconvenienced, and when there's no chance of being glorified yourself uh, in the service of another, the glory-seeking and the vain aspirations that we have have to be And I think that's why Jesus here, he doesn't just say, you helped, you did this, and you did this, and you you gave a drink, you gave gave clothes, you donated to Goodwill, whatever. He doesn't just say that. He says, it was a request happening, right? I was hungry, and he gave to me. Anyways, we're not always ready. If we're ready and anticipating the king, then we will steward our time by investing in the least of these for the spreading of God's glory making the most of every opportunity that comes our way to proclaim and spread the gospel with our lips and in our actions. So what's the good news from these couple of chapters? Number one, Reggie shared last week, Jesus is coming back. And that reorients our fear to faith, our despair to hope, and our apathy to action. So what's the implication of that for number 1 we have to be ready we steward we're ready when we steward the time by investing our entire life toward advancing the kingdom but in submitting all areas of life to the lordship of Jesus Christ and the question i think that we we need to figure out is how do we apply the good news of Jesus's coming to our everyday life that's where it's hard like sometimes Yeah, we know the good news that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And that's good news for us because it gets us to heaven. But sometimes we don't realize that we need the gospel every day. And we need the gospel in every area of our life. And if we listen, we've been talking over and over and over again over the last year or whatever to be uh, increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. If we're to do that, then we have to understand how the gospel applies to our everyday life and in each area of our life, how Jesus won some victory there to actually affect the day in and the day out. How do we apply the good news of Jesus is coming to our everyday life? So number one, I would just say, maybe we start this week by asking yourself a question. What is your stewardship of time, money, work, whatever other area of life parenting, marriage, singleness, friendships? what does your stewardship? of what you've been given, pick an area, indicate about your readiness. I mean, am I prepared to be hospitable to the least of these so when the guy asks for food, I can gladly give it to him? Am I prepared for that, or am I just prepared when, I'm ready, when I want to be prepared? Or is there something in me that my heart is actually prepared to be hospitable whenever it happens? Does your anticipation of the coming king shine through in what you do for entertainment? That could be a possible area of life that gets overlooked. Does our anticipation of the coming king matter in how we entertain ourselves? Should it have some effect on us there? Or in your relationship with others, are you ready? Can you use any of this as a gauge to start looking at your heart and say, is it prepared, is it ready? Do I believe Do I truly believe that Jesus is coming back that I don't know when it's imminent and that means I need to stay awake because he's coming and it's good news for me to stay ready. Now, I could just say, acknowledge wherever it is that it's messed up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, do something and get it right. That's not the gospel either. So instead of just leaving you with some checklist of things to get better at, I'd, I'd rather ask you to acknowledge where you're not yet prepared. Acknowledge those places. Where are you not prepared? Where are you not ready? And then consider what it indicates about your belief or your lack of belief in Jesus and what Jesus says. Maybe you can admit that your budget doesn't, have, doesn't leave margin for helping others, that you're not currently stewarding your money as if Jesus was coming back. I'm just picking an example Maybe that reveals that you don't believe that his coming is really on its way. Or that you've got time to build your own kingdom here. And if you think that he's maybe not coming for a while, so you kind of got time to build your own kingdom, then in the fact that you would spend time to build your own kingdom, whatever that may look like, with your money, there's something in you that's actually believing that the kingdom you would build for yourself is better for you than the kingdom that Jesus has given you, invited you into, right? So what do you believe? That's what it comes down to. Who do you believe? Do you believe you or do you believe Jesus? Do you believe God or do you believe you? Do you believe that his kingdom and his ways and his instruction is better or do you believe that your ways are better? The question is, who are you going to believe, God or you? And so this morning, I just want to invite you to believe the better news of Jesus and trust him by making the investment. Get ready by making the investment. Like the servant ought to have with the master. Acknowledge where you are not prepared and consider what it indicates about your belief or your lack of belief in Jesus and then just work through it. And so I'm just, all I really want to do is just help you acknowledge those things and help you learn how to work through it. So just try that. Acknowledge those things, work through it. Ask the questions. This is how we work through it. Number one, what am I believing about who God is and what he does? Look at the fruit of your life, what's happening. If, you, if it's the budget thing and you're not giving and there's no room in your budget to be hospitable to the stranger, then you have to ask yourself what it is you're believing about who God is and what he does. What are you believing, second, about who Jesus is and what he came to do? And number three, what are you believing about your identity and what he made you to do? Then compare it with what the Bible says. We've asked you through the season of Lent to go to the Bible with these questions. So take it and compare it. I mean, be honest. Like, put the stuff on paper, maybe. Say, who is it that I'm believing God is if if this is what's happening in my life? Who is it that I really believe he is? What do I really believe he's doing? And what what are the implications in my life? And then see what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about who God is and what he does? What does the Bible say about who Jesus is and what he came to do? What does that mean about you? What does the Bible say about who you are and what you were made to do? want us to start practicing that i think some of those questions are in the bulletin uh, and we've written them down several places some of those questions are even on the Lent blog on our website so you can check that out if you would want to work through it a little bit more well this morning it's just an invitation to say do you believe he's coming do you really believe he's coming if you do then stay awake be ready prepare your heart and invest steward everything that he's given you towards the kingdom because he's shown you that it's the better way for you. It's what you were made for. And take heart. Find hope in the truth that Jesus is coming back. Believe him and get ready. We're going to move into a time of response, and it's just a few things that we do each week. We're going to take communion. This is a time where we'll uh, we'll come down this middle aisle. You'll come and you'll break off the bread, and you'll dip it in the wine or the juice. And in so doing, we're saying to each other, And to ourselves, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's done what he said he would do. We need a reminder, right? I forget all the time. I just feel like I'm a forgetful person. I need to be reminded of the gospel. And so when we do this, we're reminding ourselves of the gospel, reminding each other of the gospel, helping each other to stay ready, to stay awake, and to stay prepared. So if you believe, uh, if you're a Christian and you're a believer, whether you're a member of this church or not, we invite you to come and take with us. If you're not a believer, we'd ask that you not come and take it. Because, like I said, we're saying that we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Uh, And so if you can't say that, we wouldn't ask you to say it. But we do ask that you hear what we are saying in our action here. Jesus has saved us. Jesus is changing our hearts. He's got something better for us. Uh, And so we we want you to hear that and take Jesus as well. We'll also move into a time of uh, music and worship. This is a time where you can stand and sing uh, and worship Jesus. You can also sit, reflect, pray begin to ask him to reveal some areas where your heart's not prepared for his coming Um, we'll also have some people in the back who can pray for you they'll be wearing orange name tags so you can grab one of them if you'd like or you can grab me you can grab anybody um, if you'd like to pray further we also have an offering basket uh, in the back there that's where you can drop your tithes and offering as an act of worship as well let's move into this time uh, with a word of prayer Our Father, we just thank you again for this, this day. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus, that he came, that he lived, that he died, that he was buried, that he's risen again, that he's ascended to, to rule in heaven. We thank you that in that first coming, he made a way for us. He took on the judgment that was due us all. That while we were yet sinners, he loved us and gave his life for us. Father, I pray that you would have us hear that, that, you would, that your Holy Spirit would like, prepare a way in our heart to hear the gospel and to like, learn how it changes us in different areas, how we can now trust you with our money, and we can trust you with our homes, and we can trust you with our children, we can trust you with our jobs, we can trust you with our, uh, where we live. And, and in everything that we do, we can trust you You've proven that you're good. And you've said you're coming back. And you've proven that you're trustworthy and that you're faithful to do whatever you've said you're going to do. So we know you're coming. We don't know when. We don't know how. We just know that you're coming. That you're coming soon and it'll be quick. So Lord, we ask that you would make us ready. And, Lord, we pray that you would uh, use us to proclaim the gospel to others, that as we invest uh, in the advancement of the kingdom, Lord, that you would grow that investment, and that your kingdom would expand, and that many would come to know you, and many would become sons and daughters of yours. We ask these things in Jesus' name.